there's over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. The net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're going to have to take into consideration CO2 emissions. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Net Zero Carbon. I'm Tyler Cole, your host, and today I have the privilege of being joined by Jason Gillespie of DHL. How are you, sir? Good. How are you doing? I'm great. Glad to have you on. I uh, listened to you on What the Truck recently, listened to some past episodes, and uh, said, this is a guy I got to get on Net Zero Carbon. I know DHL is doing a lot of things in the green freight space, so thanks for joining us. Yeah. Yeah. Glad to be here, and I love talking about it. So, yeah. Why don't you give us uh, our listeners a brief intro on who you are and what you do at DHL? Sure. So Jason Gillespie, I'm Senior Director of Continuous Improvement, Innovation, and Engineering uh, for our supply chain division and more specifically in our transportation space. So everything related to our managed transportation, LLPM brokerage products. So uh, it's a long title, uh, many hats, but uh, you know, one of the things I do enjoy about it is getting into like innovative technologies and specifically how it's going to be more sustainable. Man, you are the guy for this show. That's a job I'd be jealous of. That sounds fun. You probably got your hands in everything you guys get to get to touch, I'd imagine. A little bit, yeah. At least I get to hear about it if, uh, if not, I get to put my hands directly on it. So, yeah, I like How it. How big is that team? Where does that kind of sit organizationally? Well, uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, you know, DHL is a huge company, uh, over 500,000 people across all of DHL and then supply chain. I don't have the exact number, but it's big. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I have a team of, uh, that, 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 that interacts with our global partners, interacts with our innovation center. Um, and then we just brought in a new head of, uh, sustainability in our ESG programs, uh, into North America. So it's kind of a, kind of a network, uh, of all of us, you know, with, with other, typically we have other jobs, but we have now got dedicated people, uh, who are just looking at ESG as a, as a whole. Yeah. We're starting to see a lot more of that in the space. It, yeah. it, it's been fun to be in sustainability for the last few years because it is the umbrella that covers the whole organization when you really boil it down. Yeah. And so you have the opportunity to learn about every nook and cranny that the companies go through. But we are seeing a lot more companies dedicate resources because the the task and the, the risks, honestly, are necessitating oversight in so many ways. Yeah. So that's interesting to hear. Why don't you yeah. you know kick us off? Let's talk about some DHL green freight initiatives. What, uh, what have you have your hands on recently? Well, so, uh, I mean, like, like I touched on, big company, uh, so we do sustainability across the board. Uh, you know, you, when you think DHL, you think of uh, Express and you think of the jets. And, you know, we've we've purchased uh, the more efficient jets. And, we, you know, where there's there's a lot of efforts going on there, which is really the big, you know, the kind of the big bang for the buck. If we can solve more on that sustainability. Um, specific to what I do, I'm very focused on our uh, U- U.S. network of carrier partners that we work with for our LLP and managed transportation programs, like I mentioned. Um, you know, we're really uh, working on how can we be more sustainable with what we have while we're aiming towards longer term projects that might include electric, uh, 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 autonomous trucking, you know, what have you alternate fuels. So, you know, as we as we move down that path, we're being very uh, tactical with looking at some things we know we can do right now. Um, so one example of that, and so and before I ramble on too long, I just want to touch on things that we've always done around optimization, you know, continue to help uh, with, with a Go Green initiative or a, a sustainability initiative. So the more air I can get out of the truck, you know, the, the, the fewer trucks I put on the road, um, and that's all things we can control right now. Uh, so we've launched new tools, uh, new proprietary tools, one we call the Transport Network Optimizer, 
where it takes it, I, I call it the, the, um, the metal detector. And, and so it kind of tells me like, as I'm, as I'm looking around, Hey, is there, is there, should I dig here? Because there might be something. And so we will, we will throw in a whole network of data and say, Hey, is there pooling opportunity? Is there a trapping opportunity? Is there sailing schedules, whatever on the, on the road freight side that will immediately give us benefits to, uh, you know, carbon offset. So that's just one thing that we're doing. We do it directly with our customers. And then on my team, I have a group of engineers who are routinely running these studies to look at the network. That's really exciting. And that touches on a lot of different things. You know, when I think about how do we reduce emissions in freight networks, it's everything you just said, right? From being more efficient to reducing empty miles to reducing fuel consumption. Uh, I'm glad to hear that there are other solutions out there. How do we think yeah. about scaling that? Because, you know, this is this is global. It's not just unique to DHL, even though DHL is a huge piece, probably the size of a small European nation, if I, if I remember correctly. <laughs> um, so everybody's got to do their part. But, you know, there's yeah. a lot of um, carriers in your network that are outside of scope of your control, right? So how do we start to encourage people in that scope three category? How do you think about partnering or supporting those those people, both near term and long term? To reduce emissions, yeah, and 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 a great point. So, you know, we 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 in 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 the United States, we work with SmartWay through the uh, EPA and the, the you know program uh, where the you know the carriers voluntarily join the SmartWay program, and they uh, you know the, their their emissions are now are are now part of that um, that matrix that basically says you know hey as as a carrier you're, you've got a more efficient fleet, you're you're taking more efforts to, uh, you know, to have more modern equipment and all that. Um, and that's great for North America. To your point, uh, globally, that program is not in place everywhere. So we've started a program uh, called the Green Carrier Certification Program that looks at how do you basically do that same kind of a model everywhere, regardless of what region or, or country you're in, and look at, you know, what, what can we get back from the carriers? So it's a, it's a, it's a first step, uh, in, in, you know, really just self-reporting, <clears throat> better understanding what our carriers look like so we can start applying those averages. Then you can take that to the procurement team and say, let's procure better, right? And work with our customers and say, Hey, you know, here's what a scenario looks like. That's just total best cost. And here's, you know, absolute best service. But maybe somewhere in the middle is a, is a compromise that also has a good carbon offset, right? So. Um, you know, you, you, you've now added this third dimension in with, you know, the carbon emissions and the, you know, the carrier emissions, really, um, that we can factor into how we procure. And then it's a, it starts feeding the cycle, right? So now we're working with the carriers. They know that score matters. And so they're working to improve their score. And, and we're working very closely with our carrier partners uh, to do just that. So, yeah, there's, there's a couple of ways we're doing it. I'd say, yeah, we have to do it. Like you said, we have to do it at scale. And uh, that's something we can do right now. And, and honestly, a lot of our a lot of our trucking partners you know, want to do this and, and are excited to do it as well. So from a carrier perspective, you know what when I talk to carriers and I'm trying to explain the importance of ESG reporting and reducing emissions, in my mind, it's always look, you want to be a preferred carrier that's going to manifest itself in benefits in the form of longer term contracts, potentially preferential rates. How should carriers be thinking about the value that they can receive from lowering their emissions? You know, that's, I mean, you kind of covered off on the big ones for me, but like I mentioned, when we're talking to our customers, you know, like the, the shippers, 
So my customers are the shippers and, you know, they're saying they've got targets, you know, and they know that road transportation is a big, uh, like you said, a, a scope three that they've got to worry about. So, um, so we, we, I think just messaging that and opening up that line of communication because at DHO, we really just kind of don't get in the middle of that conversation. We facilitate that conversation and say, Hey, uh, so you're not just hearing it from BHL, you're hearing it from our customers and how important it is to all of us that we go down this path. Um, and in addition to just, you know, hey, it's being a steward of the environment and everything. I know that that's probably the one we've been trying to sell the longest. But I think there's, there's to your point right now, there's very real um, financial and operational benefit to doing just that. Absolutely. And we didn't even mention reduced fuel cost, <laughs> which is probably the primary economic incentive for a lot of these carriers to make these right changes. Right now, that's that's about as hot as it can be. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. And over in Europe, I can't even, I mean, I don't know what it is per liter right now. We're two weeks post this war. It's probably right. eight, eight US dollars or something similar for a liter of, of yeah. petrol. That's crazy. I've seen, I've seen some real dystopian posts on social media about some fuel prices. So it's a, it's a little scary right now. But yeah. That kind of makes me think about the discrepancy between Europe and North America in, in this particular category. You know, you said something that I, I resonate with mm -hmm. and I repeat a lot is transportation procurement is moving away from just balancing service and cost. We're now going to add a carbon emission or an emissions component to both of those. And it's going to be this three, three lever system that you get to optimize. In Europe, mm -hmm. that's very tangible because we're marching towards carbon taxing. You've got some reporting disclosure yeah. requirements. It's a very different business landscape than it is here. DHL plays in both spaces. How should we start thinking on this side of the Atlantic about the cost ramifications or future cost ramifications of emissions, if at all? The future cost? Well, I mean, I guess um, to, to kind of back up a little bit, um, you know, you mentioned that there, there are a lot of differences, right? So like you said, there's going to be either taxes, penalties, whatever you want to call it, for not getting on board. Um, also, they're dealing a little different, you know, a little more, I'd say they're a little bit ahead of us in North America on infrastructure and on and on putting in, you know, some of that, you know, those charging stations, the, the alternative fuel stations, um, you know, but they have a different problem with geography too, uh, where you've got multiple countries. In a way, it's kind of like our states, right? I mean, you know, where they're not all on the same page and, and you know, kind of do, go, going down their own path. Um, so I, I guess in North America, what I would say, we need to think about the investment in, you know, what is that initial return on investment on an electric truck going to look like? I know it's not attractive yet. Um, you know, maybe the, again, the fuel prices are, are, are helping that ROI right now. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's a tough one to crack. Uh, you know, the, the, again, the infrastructure. Uh, you know, there are gas stations that where I live, there are gas stations going up right now. And I always look to see if there's an electric pump there. Right. And, and more often than not, there isn't. Right. So, you know, we, I think, you know, there's some things with infrastructure that just needs to get caught up, um, at the federal and, uh, level as well. But uh, I mean, and, and you would think that even these companies would start to see the benefit in putting in these electric charging stations. You know, if we partner with a, with a truck stop that has this program in place, they're going to be where we go. Um, you know, as we launch these kinds of programs, you know, so just thinking about the, the overall cost in general, I know I threw a lot of things out there, but it's, it, it's multiple players, you know, DHL has got to make the investment, our carriers have to make the investment, and, and I think our government has to make the investment. Yeah, it's a collaboration effort on all parties needed. Yeah. 
is DHL actively involved in having those collaborative conversations either between managed freight customers and or local or regional governments and carriers? You know, what's the state of collaboration in these infrastructure discussions and you're having? Yeah, we are. I, I think we probably do a decent job at the uh, at the you know the um, federal U.S. government level. Um, you know, I, I, I'm directly involved with some of those discussions. So, and especially as you, you look at like um, infrastructure around electric charging and then autonomous networks. You know, so the benefit on sustainability with autonomous, you get into okay, I've got a truck that's driving like the perfect human driver. Not hard accelerating, not hard braking, not emotional. They're not in a bad mood on, on, you know, whatever, for whatever reason. And then also they don't need to idle during a rest or during an overnight sleep, right? And, and let that engine run and to keep the cab warm. And so, um, so anyway, you know, there's benefits to, to putting that autonomous network in place and being able to cross state lines. So we're having all those discussions about, you know, how can we get uh, a level playing field? Um, because right now, it, you know, we're doing pilots on autonomous, but, you know, we have to be very careful about where we do them and what, exactly which lanes are the perfect scenario right now uh, to do the pilots. Those are super exciting. I, I would love to see yeah. five years down the road, autonomous hub and spoke models where you've got these platooned trailers going behind an autonomous truck. Yeah. And it's last mile by a human driver that in an electric truck. That would be really cool. Do you think we're marching that direction? We, we are. And, and that's exactly what my goal is. You know, the, these pilots are exciting and I love seeing that we've got these things out there running. But to your point, um, that's what we need to have that end in mind. And we need to we need to kind of build towards that and say, what do I need to be doing in 2022 so that in 2025 or six drivers out? Right. And then driver now, uh, you know, with the with the driver, uh, you know, labor crunch we already have. Um, you know, now we're giving them more favorable drive, you know, runs to your point where they're doing first and last mile and, uh, you know, handling the more difficult stuff in the cities, but also they get to go home every night. Exactly. Right? And there's the cost trade-off for that all the time, right? You've got the drivers who have been doing this for years who want these long high dollar runs, uh, yeah. just to be out from home. But I think that's, that's certainly going down. That's why we see a lot of this shortage, but there'll be, there'll be a trade-off yeah. if you're going to be doing a local city driver, you know, that's not always the most appealing job either, right? Having to sit and wait in traffic right. and be at the dock. I mean, we definitely need to collaborate with shippers on how we we can improve, uh, you know, interoperability and handoff of trailers and equipment and, and really manage to treat drivers better <laughs> than we do today. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I started off managing drivers. I, I know, uh, I, I like to think I know what they go through, right? And and having not been on the road myself, like I, I, I empathize with that. You know, there's a, it's a, it's a hard job. And, you know, and I think so, and, and, and to your point, and we've already touched on, you know, people aren't exactly flooding into this industry right now, you know, so if that were to change, great, but we'll have jobs for them. Uh, you know, uh, even with as crazy as things are in the world right now, the freight's moving, right? And uh, moving more than ever in a lot of ways. So it's, you know, the, the demand's not going away anytime soon. Definitely not. And I'm excited about that because it means we got to be yeah. creative. The engineering side, what you do is actively working to try and front run a lot of those problems. With 35% of trucks on the road driving empty, 87 million metric tons of carbon emissions are produced annually. Leveraging machine learning and automation, Convoy is efficiently connecting shippers with carriers while reducing carbon emissions. Learn how Convoy's technology can help your business run efficiently and build toward a no empty miles future at convoy.com sustainability. 
What's the what's an example of a project you know near term you guys are hoping to implement in 2022? If you can speak about it, if there's something you know you can't, I certainly understand. We'll bounce the next question. Yeah. Um, so so a couple you know building off of what I mentioned already with the uh, transport network optimizer and the smart way and the, and the uh, carrier certification. The next logical step is uh, you know better reporting, better analytics, better insight into uh, you know how you're performing and offsetting carbon. Um, something we're rolling out this year within my team and, and, and I believe uh, in other regions as well is to really just have that transparent carbon savings and emission savings going straight to our customers. Um, so that way they're basically getting it in real time in their hands because we, we can see it, right? So as we, as we uh, like I mentioned earlier, you know, turn a couple LTLs into a truckload and get some air out of the trailer and better cube, better optimize, better network plan, all of that uh, can offset carbon. So uh, that's something we can do right now um, and really just kind of, you know, get the performance. And then you always say, if I can't measure it, I can't improve on it. So if we can measure it, now we can baseline it. And now we can say, okay, how do we keep getting better at this through all of these exciting programs like alternative fuels and et cetera. That's exciting. And that's a, a problem that we need to solve. We work with a a group here at Freightways, our own Freightways Carbon Working Group that are trying to ask a lot of those questions around how do we improve that data exchange and access. And I'm curious your thoughts, and we can talk offline about y'all joining the working group too. We'd love to have DHL as a member about, uh, you know, what data, how granular do you need to go in order to get an accurate emissions reporting? I mean, there's kind of that 80-20 Pareto rule, right? Like you can put a sensor on the back of every, every tailpipe and get as granular as possible, but is that juice really worth the squeeze? So what's that appropriate level, especially in a managed freight network when they're not your, it's not your equipment, to get yeah. a directionally accurate and hopefully relevant emissions number out of these trucks? Are you guys wrestling with some of those same questions? We are. Um, <clears throat> you know, like, yeah, to your point, in a perfect world, I've got, there's an in-cab unit telling me exactly <clears throat> what that actual shipment uh, costs me in carbon emissions or whatever. Um, we're not quite there yet. Um, and, and, you know, that's something we can definitely talk to our carriers about is maybe, maybe you can give me something that's better or more accurate than just a smart way average. Because right now they get put into a group and that group has an average. It has one number. Um, and, and that's a level of granularity we didn't have a year or two ago, but we want to keep moving that forward. Um, we're also working with some other technology partners and I'm not sure what else public yet, but it, we're working with, uh, partners that can give us like, um, you know, uh, ocean and air emissions, you know, some other, some different modes that we might struggle with, uh, um, you know, again, just better than a blanket average. Uh, uh, flight data is actually decently accurate, right? So, you know, the, the flights, uh, you know, when you book a flight, it, it will very often tell you what your carbon emissions are for that flight. And so we can take that data in, in near real time and, and plug it right into our tools. Um, so yeah, I think there's a level of granularity to your point worth getting at. Um, and I think we just got to keep working with our carriers on how do we get there and what are they, what are they looking at? You know, so, uh, in, in about a month, I will be in Fort Lauderdale, yay, uh, with our carriers, uh, <laughs> talking about this kind of stuff, right? So we, we meet once a year and we're back to being in person, thankfully, for the first time in two years. Uh, to talk to all of our carriers, our top 70 providers, and say, you know, what, what are you guys caring about? What are you worried about? Um, you know, what are you doing in the, uh, in the sustainability space? That's exciting. I would love to touch yeah. base with you after that meeting. My yeah. suspicion with a lot of the carrier community now is 
you know, we have fuel consumption data and we know what loads we're running and what route we're going down. So we can get pretty accurate. It may come out of a couple yeah. different systems, but we can get that number for you. Uh, but yeah. why do I want to give it to you? <laughs> there's, yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lack of incentive at the yeah. moment, for, by and large, for the broader community. There's definitely some forward thinking providers that probably want to make sure. that a differentiator. But then mm-hmm. I go down, you know, that 2.0 equation and start wondering, well, if it's hard today with everybody running on the same fuel category, just wait till we get a meaningful penetration of EV or hydrogen or any other biofuels. Like it, it can get really complicated really quickly. And I'm a carbon accounting nerd and it gets really complicated. It does. It does. Yeah. Even just doing it within our own four walls sometimes at VHL, we're like, wait, what? You know, so you're trying to, you're trying to make sense out of, you know, what's accountable, what's not accountable. And yeah, it's a, I've learned a lot in the last few years. It's constantly changing. I'm on the journey with you. Yeah. What do you think about, um, you know, the future when you ask this question personally? Like, why is why does why do sustainable supply chains matter to you personally? Yeah, that, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I think about it all the time. I, you said you're, you know, a carbon accounting nerd. Uh, I, I just mentioned before we got on the meeting that I built a house. Well, I'm thinking, well, what's my environmental impact of building this house? How can I make my house more sustainable? I want to do um, geothermal. I want to do solar. You know, like I want to do all the things I can do uh, personally for my legacy, my family to say, you know, hey, I, sorry, we didn't quite get it right up until now, but we're doing things to make it better, right? So, um, yeah, it's really important to me and, and to my family. And I talk about it to my, to my kids all the time. Uh, you know, I've got a, a grown kid and a, and a teenage kid and it's important to all of us, right? So, uh, yeah, that's it's, it's personal to me. I want to get it right. I want to say I did everything I could uh, to make sure that we're on, on the right path. Admirable. And I am in the same boat with you. My kids are a little younger. We're 11, 8, and 7. So they don't really have the vocabulary yet to be able to talk about that. Imagine <laughs> if you got a teenager or a grown kid that there's a lot of opinions going out there from the younger community yeah. about the state of the world today, especially environmentally. Um, yeah. So I look forward to hopefully having those yeah. conversations meaningfully later. They're, they're, you got a lot to look forward to. I love having those deep talks with your kids. You're just like, man, I'm doing something right if they're challenging my assumptions and making me really think about what I said. But yeah, having that perspective and knowing the world that they're getting ready to walk into with more flooding, uh, less predictable weather, like we were kind of joking about earlier. Um, yeah, you know, we want to we want to do everything we can to to, to get it right. Spoken like a true continuous improvement engineer. I love it. <laughs> it sounds like you're in the right seat. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> hey, this was awesome and educational for me. I really appreciate your insight and congratulations on all the work you and the team are doing. Y'all are welcome on Thank the you. show anytime to brag about wins or complain about losses. We'd love to, to continue evangelizing yeah. the message because the industry needs a step change. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed the discussion. We'll do it again. Have a great weekend, man. Thanks. All right. You too. Thanks. Thanks for having me on, Tyler.